I try again with a little more volume. Megan, wake up. A slight break in her breathing suggests she might have heard me, but still no answer. Megan, get up, I shout. Shut the fuck up, Craig, I heard you the first time. Megan is apparently awake now. I don my dressing gown and scuttle out of the bedroom. I pad across the landing to the bathroom and position myself in front of the toilet, my bladder screaming to be emptied for the third time since I went to bed last night. I wash my hands and head downstairs to put the coffee on while Megan readies herself for work. She'll take a two-minute shower, throw on some random items of clothing and drag a brush through her tangled hair. Minimal makeup is then applied before she douses herself in far too much perfume. This routine is usually accompanied by a series of screamed profanities and the sound of doors being slammed. My wife is not a morning person. Downstairs, the percolator finally deposits sufficient coffee into the pot. I fill two mugs and drop one teaspoon of sugar in mine, three in Megan's. Despite consuming the output of a small sugar plantation each week, Megan has somehow maintained a reasonably slim figure, and that annoys me immensely. As I stand in our small kitchen sipping my coffee, Megan storms in. Any attempt at conversation would be futile, so I offer a faint smile which isn't reciprocated. She grabs her mug from the kitchen side and stomps off to the sitting room. I glance at the clock on the wall which suggests I need to get my arse in gear. I gulp down the rest of my coffee, drop the mug in the sink and head upstairs to conduct my morning ablutions. Shaved, showered and dressed in a neatly pressed pair of grey trousers and a light blue shirt, I grab my mobile phone, wallet and keys from my bedside table. I traipse back downstairs to find Megan in the kitchen washing up our coffee mugs. Would it kill you to rinse your mug? She asks in a tone that suggests she's spoiling for an argument. Sorry, I timidly respond. She slams the clean mugs onto the draining board and pulls a tea towel from a drawer. We're going out for drinks after work, so don't bother with dinner, she says. Megan is the manager of a call centre. Her job is to supervise a team of enthusiastic irritants as they plague the nation with telephone calls to sell services nobody needs and products nobody wants. Despite being at least 20 years older than most of her colleagues, Megan is under the misguided illusion that working with a group of immature idiots keeps her spirit young. Based on previous experience, she'll probably stumble home after midnight, moderately drunk and convinced she's had a good time. At least that leaves me in charge of the TV remote control for the evening. It's the small victories that make life with Megan sufferable. She departs for work without saying goodbye. I take a few minutes to sift through the spam emails on my phone and leave the house. I lock the front door and squint at the bright morning sun as it climbs through a cloudless blue sky. I almost appreciate the moment until our neighbour's bastard dog starts yapping again. Wishing the damn thing would drop dead, I lumber the thirty yards to a bay where my car is parked. I pause for a second to look back at the only thing in my life of any real value, our small two-bedroom terraced house. 
We bought it in 1992, when home ownership didn't require a mortgage comparable to the national debt of Greece. It sits on a street of equally unattractive properties that were all constructed in the mid-70s. After 40-odd years, most of the homes now look tired, neglected, and in urgent need of maintenance. That irony isn't lost on me. I haul my backside into the car and turn the engine over. My ten-year-old Mazda is one of the ugliest cars ever to have graced British roads, but it's reliable and cheap to run. On cue, the engine spits into life. I drag the seatbelt across my bulging stomach and hit the power button on the stereo. The sound of Rockwell's Somebody's Watching Me rings out from the speakers. I swing the car out of the parking bay and embark on the short journey to work, accompanied by Mr. Rockwell's paranoid delusions. For the last 20